0: All right, everybody, welcome back to an episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. Your host, Tom Alemo, Tommy Tahoe in the house. November 30th, last day of the second to last month of the year. You're probably hearing this on December 1st. To kick off December, the last month of what a freaking crazy year this has been. Um, Excited for this podcast for a lot of reasons. Um, First and foremost, Coming off of a big time uh five-day Thanksgiving rest, relaxation, vacation, so to speak, of really not doing a hell of a lot. I I uh I, you know, I've been spending time with family and um eating and drinking and sleeping, a uh, little exercise, uh, learned how to play chess, uh, and and am not very good at it, but it was all good. So um And I got engaged or I got engaged a couple of weeks ago, but have gone, you know, kind of public with it uh, as of this weekend with uh, my now fiance. So life is coming at you fast. Uh, No matter what happened in 2020, um, there's still a lot of good that can come out of it. And a lot of good has come out of it for me. So, um, i'm just very grateful and very thankful that you're joining in you're listening in uh for all the good that's happening in the world and in my world hopefully in your world and, and hopefully we can all see the the beauty uh around us in life uh for today's episode though man it's a good one um I got the king of sass, John Barrows, and you know the, the the there's a lot of bad things that can happen in sales. Deals can go haywire at the last second. People can hang up on you. Negotiations can get brutal. You could lose a major renewal if you're in that business. Um, and you know the cure to everything, though. I can't really find anything that this is not a cure for. Is a big, fat pipeline, and that's what that's what my guest, John Barrows has to say, and, and I agree full uh, you know, wholeheartedly that, you know, negotiation for a contract becomes a lot easier when you have a big pipeline. Prospecting becomes a lot easier when you have a fat pipeline. One-on-ones with your boss become a lot easier when you have a fat pipeline, when you got a lot of deals in the pipe that are legit, that are real, that you're working. Uh, it just lets you be more creative. It lets you flow more freely. It makes you more confident. And, um, you know, the only way to get that to make that happen is is to prospect and to treat your territory like you're the CEO of that business. And that's what John comes here to talk about. Uh, you could check out my first episode. So I had an episode with John, you know, about two years ago, and uh, it was really good. You could, you could check it out. Uh, I think it's it's episode 111 or 112. And we talk about his origin story. We talked about, you know, he was in sales. He was at Staples. Um, You know, he went over to Basho to to do some some sort of training uh, there and sell training and really talking about, you know, his 12 guiding principles. If you want to know John as a person, as a man, as a leader, as a salesperson, uh, as a father, you can listen to that episode. Uh, He really gives his origin story. And I think that is a great place to maybe set some context if you're not familiar with John or if you want to learn more about him. Uh, in this episode, I want to bring him back to get more tactical, to get more into you know, what he's teaching on a day-to-day basis. If you do not know John, if you are in SaaS sales, software sales, technology sales, and you do not know John Barrows, I'll tell you right now, you are behind the curve. You do not know this guy. You are behind the curve. Um, he works with, yeah, I've labeled him the king of SaaS. I hope I get credit for that, but he's working with Salesforce, Tableau, Slack, Fox, You know, DocuSign. Pretty much all the 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 big companies, successful sales companies in SaaS. You know, a lot of them he works with. He worked. uh, He came at my uh, former employer, TechTarget, and helped us out uh, a year or two ago as well. So, uh, and I'm a I'm a fanatic reader of his content. What he writes, his Make It Happen podcast is great. So. First of all, you got to check him out, but but we talk in this episode specifically about you know, a lot about prospecting. What's so interesting about John is that not only uh, is he a CEO, not only does he run his own training company, but he's also a salesperson. He prospects every day. He not only teaches his clients to build pipeline, but he makes sure he has his own pipeline. And he does that through LinkedIn. He makes calls. He asks for referrals. He sends cold emails and personalizes them. Uh, on top of running six to 10 training sessions every week, right? So uh, for his clients. So the guy's an animal. Um, We're going to talk about uh, how and when to send personalized emails. We're going to, he's going to walk through how he goes about his monthly prospecting, which I think is really cool. Um, He answers a few questions from the audience, including one about uh, video, not only how to use it, but how, if you're a leader of a team to get your team to uh, adopt video in their sales process. Um, what else do we talk about? He, we talk about why he wears a make it happen shirt pretty much every single workday. Uh, you're not going to see him on video probably without that shirt. And if you're watching on YouTube, he does wear that shirt during this interview as well. Um, and he shares also about you know uh, some of his time management. Friday, my day is something that he created to uh, give him and his employees a little bit of space, a little bit of breathing room for creativity. And uh, and mental health on Fridays uh, this year, given everything happening in 2020. So um, a few things you can do if you like what we have to say here in this episode. Number one, first and foremost, go check out John. Go follow his blog, uh, jbarros.com. Go follow him on LinkedIn. He's got 350,000 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. He's all there. Instagram is pretty funny. He's got some uh, some funny stories that he does, and he gives you more behind the scene. Version of who he is as a person, which I think is cool. Go to his online training portal. It's like the Netflix for sales. I've actually uh, bought it. This is not an ad, but I've I've actually personally invested in it uh, for a year subscription uh, and used it to get myself ramped up in my new role uh, at Skilljar. So uh, as an AE, I'm using it to learn how to bet prospect better, how to set my goals better, things like that. Negotiate. It's great. It's got content with Morgan Ingram, Richard Harris, a few other people. So. It's great content there. So first thing, go show them some love. Second, uh, show me some love. Uh, so you can, um, first of all, you know, subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify. The the number one thing you can do to help me out. Uh, I do all this content. I've been doing it for three and a half years. I don't make a penny off this podcast. Uh, this is episode 185, um, and the reason I don't have ads because I want it to show value. So the way you can can help me out is. Leave a review on Apple, subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. You can check me out, see what I look like, check out John and his Make It Happen shirt. That's really the best way to connect with me. If you wanna chat with me, I respond to every message on LinkedIn, Tom Alamo, Twitter and Instagram, Tommy Tahoe. I'll give you a little bit more behind the scenes of what I'm all about. Uh, but really, the number one thing you can do is, is leave a review uh, for the podcast and, and share it out with someone. Share it out with someone that um, that you think. Could really use some help in sales because John drops some great content. And and really the most important thing you can do is is use the info. Use what John says. Take notes today. Uh, take one to two things that you can put into your daily sales practice for your prospecting or otherwise, and use it. Um, that's what he wants you to do. That's what I want you to do. The whole purpose of the show is so that you can sell better, you can live better, you can have a better career. And uh, the only way to do that, it's great to soak in information. I love doing that, but you got to actually use it. So, without further ado. You've heard enough of me. Uh, hopefully, you subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully, you you leave a review. It a, takes a minute to do, um, but without further ado, let's bring you into my conversation with my good friend, John Barros. Let's go. John Barros, good morning, man. Welcome to Millennial Sales. Let's make it happen. Hey, right, what's going on, Tom? I appreciate you having me on here, man absolutely absolutely i gotta ask just to kick it off you got the make it happen shirt on every video podcast that i see you've got it on do you wear one do you have five one for every day of the week or how's that
1: set up i got about 50 of them man yeah so i wear <laughs> i wear one every day of the week it, it actually stemmed from when i was doing sales kickoffs uh actually last year when i did sales kickoff month this one's going to be weird because it's all going to be virtual but usually sales kickoffs are you know my busiest time of year so january february and what was happening was I would, you know, five days a week, I'm going from San Francisco to Vegas to, Cal, you know, to wherever. And it's like one day, one out, five days a week. And for me, I could get when I was, before I was dressing in a, in a collared shirt, jeans and my shell toes, right? With that, I could get three days in a backpack. So three collared shirts, three pairs of underwear, three t-shirts, whatever, The jeans will last three days, whatever. But fourth day, I had to bring a carry on. And carry-ons are a pain in the ass when you're going from place to place to place to place to place, right? So I was like, how can I get five days in a backpack? And I was like, well, shit, I like the, you know, my tagline here, make it happens, like that makes it easy. So I, with a blazer on, I could get five t-shirts, five pair of underwear, five pair of socks with a blazer and jeans, and that's five days in a backpack. And so it got me there. And I didn't do it because, you know, you hear um, Zuckerberg and, you know, a lot of the executives, they talk about how they wear the same thing right zuck wears the same exact thing um what's his name um apple you know he always used to wear the same stuff and it was because they they wanted to reduce de- they call it decision fatigue right where they make so many decisions in a day that they wanted to remove as many of those basic small decisions cuz those pile up and as much as i thought that was kind of a joke now that i de- now that i'm in that zone it's absolutely true I wake up in the morning, I grab my Make It Happen shirt, my jeans, and I'm done. I don't even think about what I'm wearing, and it's awesome. So yes, I wear one every day.
0: <laughs> I was oh, curious I was- if, it was, if it was purely branding or if it was like a decision fatigue, like Steve Jobs type of vibe that you had going on. It
1: was a little bit. It was a little bit of everything. It would more. It was actually the for me to get on an airplane. You know what I mean? Like so, I didn't have to do a carry on. But it it led to a decision fatigue and also the branding part of it because it's also a mentality. Like my mentality is make it happen. So it's almost like every morning when I put the shirt on, I have that mentality and I'm ready to go. I
0: love it. I love it. So uh, it looks like from following you around on Instagram that you've been traveling a ton uh in the last few months too with the did you buy an rv or did you
1: rent one or what's what's going on with that that's a that's a whole nother story man like i've like (laughs) i never thought of myself as an rv guy in any way shape or form i mean my wife and i had some bucket list trips this year right we were going to go to the galapagos like the caribbean you know caribbean and a bunch of other places and obviously that all got canceled so i'm like all right well Fuck, you know, screw it. Let's go, let's like kind of take our vacationing into our own hands. And kind of like COVID-wise, we felt like an RV was my daughter's nine too. So I thought it'd be a cool time to take a trip across the country. But when we looking into them, they were super popular. So renting one was kind of a pain in the ass for the time slots that we wanted. We ended up going to the dealer to check it out just to see if we could sit in one for hours, right? And we ended up doing the math and realizing that like it costs two hundred fifty bucks a month to uh, i 'm sorry two hundred and fifty bucks a night to rent one of these things, like a decent one and it's a ninety five thousand it 's an eighty five thousand dollar thing that we get like a, you know thirty foot whatever sleep seven and if you put twenty grand down, the payments are four hundred and fifty bucks a month so if we I did the math i 'm like, wait a minute, one night is two fifty a week a week is fifteen hundred dollars give or take. So if I rent this thing out for a week, it pays for three months of the mortgage. All I have to do is rent this thing out five times a year and it pretty much pays for itself. I'm like, screw it, let's buy it. So we ended up buying it. We drove cross country, we drove to Yellowstone, which was super fun. Uh, And then just this weekend we went up, you know, now we're doing like kind of little weekend trips and just, just trying to get away and just, if nothing else to get away from the insanity. Uh, It's been a really good kind of mental clarity thing uh, that that me and my wife and daughter are, are, you know, kind of take advantage of as much as we can these days, but still blows my mind. Mind that I'm now an RV owner, because that's about the last thing you would, if you had asked me last year, John, do you ever see yourself owning an RV? I'd be like, dude, that's the last thing I could see myself owning. But we are where we are and you got to adapt. <laughs>
0: it's crazy I, and i've seen that like all over from other people random people on social media that they they bought or rented rvs it's like man it must be it's not a great time to be a, a salesperson of some things but like rv and zoom is like oh if you're a salesperson of either of those two things you're doing pretty well this you're year you're doing all right there's
1: certain things that absolutely popped when covid hit right and and Certain things obviously got destroyed, but man, if you were in a certain industries that were kind of, oh, yeah, like to haves, now all of a sudden must haves, yeah, you're making it rain right now.
0: For sure. So uh, that leads me to, you know, you had a great post uh, that you've talked about. I think it got a lot of traction when you came back from that two-week trip and you had, you know, 2,000 or so emails and you were coming yeah. through them and you kind of sorted them out into, uh, you know, marketing spam versus you know sales rep emails versus you know thank you emails and so on and so forth customer service and there was such a lack of personalization right i don't have the stats in front of me but the main takeaway was like sales reps aren't you know they're not they didn't personalize anything to you so i i want to dive in on that like that seems so hard to believe because you put so much content out that right that's you know main part of your job so When you say that it's not personalized, do you mean it's not they're not referencing anything of the content that you had? They're not referencing anything about JB sales. It's just like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you know, John, here's how we can help you do XYZ." Like is it really that vanilla? Uh so this is it, it shocked
1: me, man, cuz You know, I've been talking I've been training now for whatever 12 years or something like that. And, you know, and especially early on, it was all about personalization. Right now I've kind of shifted to personalization and relevance and whatever. But, you know, uh, you know, I've been preaching about and look, I'm not that important. Right. But, but, you know, I run my own little seven person company here. I'm also to your point, I'm also not shy about what I invest in. I mean, all you got to do is listen to one or two podcasts and you'll hear me drop some sort of technology that I'm using or what I'm looking for or whatever it is. And, and I got, when I came back, there was 2,040 emails in my inbox and I segmented them out to list service and all that other stuff. And there were 78, what I would consider 78 sales emails, right? Which were somebody trying to get a meeting with me to sell me something. Okay, cool. Zero of them were, were were personalized. Zero, and I mean personalized anything along the lines of "Hey John, I read your blog." "Hey John, I was on your LinkedIn profile." Like even the basics of personalization weren't there, and I couldn't like. To me, I'm sitting there. I'm like, wait a minute. Like again, I feel like I'm beating the same drum over and over, and people are like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Okay, personalization, we get it. Yeah, we all personalize, but nobody is. And to me. I think a lot of people talk a good game about personalization, but we're still in a world where numbers matter. And and I also think that we're in this transition phase right now where people understand that that quality is the, is the way to go, right? Account-based marketing and all these different things, right? Personalization at scale, blah, blah, blah. I think people understand that's the way to go, but we're still being held to 50 dials a day, 100 activities, whatever that number is, right? So it's really hard to, to manage towards quality. What's easy to manage towards is, Tom, did you send your 50 emails out today? Did you make your 50 dials today? And if you didn't, I'm gonna whap you over the head for it, right? So I think as much as people understand it, they still in practice aren't doing it because it does take time. It does, it does you know, take some effort to go on and go on somebody's LinkedIn profile, look at their activities, go on their website, look at some news and events, and come up with something that's good enough to make connection to, to make relevant, right? But I'm telling you right now, you know out of the, out of the 2040 emails that I got, um, 356 of them were LinkedIn messages. Of the 356, 356 LinkedIn messages, um, I think there was about 20, uh, nine of them were personalized, and one of them did video. And again, same thing. I've been preaching video. Morgan and I have been preaching video, LinkedIn video emails now for about a year and a half now. And we've been talking about how incredible it is and like how we, 50% of our pipeline is generated that way. And I only got one. And guess what was the one I responded to? It was the personalized LinkedIn video. It was the only one out of all those emails that I got that I actually responded to. So it's there in theory. It's not there in practice still.
0: So I want to dive in a little. It's crazy to me. So I want to get a little bit further into this. So I'm taking... You know I'll do a shameless plug I'm taking the the j b online sales training portal that was something that you know when I got a new gig about a month ago was something that I wanted to invest in because I was going from managing a team uh being a player coach to just an a e carrying a bag and i want you know I wanted to really kind of invest back in like all right what are the what are the tactics people are using how can I up my my game and I love the portal and you talk about um You know how to personalize uh you know like tailored versus targeted messaging Mm -hmm. so um in that you know maybe i'm misquoting you but it's something to the extent of like you know the top the top tier accounts that you want to go after they're going to be very targeted they're going to be very or sorry they're going to be very tailored specific to the person whereas you know the b accounts the tier twos are going to be more uh targeted they're going to be maybe like persona based or industry based types of targeting so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that maybe everyone, that everyone just had you in that second bucket and they were trying to target you based on your industry or was like, is that part of the game? Do you think that people are just trying to get like a, a mass quantity out there?
1: A hundred percent. You know, I think it's, it, there's, this, there's this immediate satisfaction, right? Where somebody would rather, cause look, doing personalization, cause there's the top of the, you know, people talk about personalization And personalization is great, but without relevance, it's meaningless. It's actually, I think it's even worse, right? Because that's why why I'm not as freaking out as much about AI as I used to before. Because artificial intelligence, you know, and I've I've sent this email out a bunch of times, or I've seen this, you know, I've used this in my presentations where there was this AI bot back in 2017 that somebody uh, split from Salesforce and created this artificial intelligence bot based on my email structure, like the YUI, you, you know, email structure. And uh, and I was like, what? And they were like, oh, John, we want to show it to you, right? And, and they sent it to me and I was I was like, holy shit, because it was so good. Like it was, it was personalized, it was relevant in the whole thing. So at first I was like, oh my God, if AI can do this, we are in deep trouble as sales professionals. But then what happened was... I started seeing AI. What AI can do is it can, it can highlight, it can find something personal, but it can't yet make it relevant based on whatever your solution is. Right. So I don't know about you, but I'm getting a ton of emails from like, that say, Hey John, I see you uh, went to university of Maryland, you know, go Terps. And then it just like hard cuts to some, yeah. Well, the reason I'm reaching out is because we got this really great software development platform. So there's no relevance at all. Right. So to me, if you would ask, John, if you could choose personalization or relevance, which one would you choose? I would choose relevance all day long. Because if you know me as a VP or a CEO of a small business training company, and you can ask like very pointed questions that you could ask any CEO of training companies in the SMB space, you could send that out to 50 people and you'll still I'll still respond to that more than, hey, John, I see you went to the University of Maryland, you know, boom, right? So I think there's this, There's this connection that we have to make, but it, again, it takes time to do that personalization. And so people are just, I I just fundamentally believe that most people, I know, forget about it. I don't believe, I know that most people are lazy. It is what it is. Yeah. I personally believe that 80% of this world are fucking sheep and they want to be told what to do and they want a button because I get daily questions. Hey, John, do you got a template email that I could send to you know, my financial services clients that gets you a really good response? Like I got a text message the other day from a buddy of mine saying, hey, I'm taking over a territory for somebody who just got fired. What's a great email that I could send to all his customers to get some meetings out of them?" I'm like, dipshit, <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> there isn't one email if there was none of us would
0: have jobs
1: you know what i yeah. mean if there was the silver bullet if it was easy everybody would do it scenario thing and i think everybody's always looking for that easy way out to get that you know quick response that endorphin rush that somebody got a response and whatever it is cuz it's easier to send out 500 emails at a time and get five or six responses than it is to spend 10 15 minutes writing researching because when you do that when you do the research and you put that much effort into one email and you don't get a response it's it is demoralizing it is defeating right because you're like wait a minute i spent all that time doing research and i didn't get a response here so what the f- you know fuck it i'll just send out 500 emails to see what i get a response right and so people defer to that even though that this is the long game here
0: so how do you in that example right where someone says you know go terps or whatever and then they talk about their product how do, you, how do you link those two? Because um, I've seen people talk about like trying to, to get that, like how do you like so then what so, so you don't you wouldn't leverage something like University of Maryland. You would maybe no. use something like a blog post that you wrote that somehow relates to what we do. It, like if it's not relevant to them, it's not worth it. showing I mean, put, that you did your research.
1: Let it put, put it this way. Put it in the PS. Don't lead with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, hey, Tom, you know, I've been keeping myself updated on you guys, and I noticed you guys are doing some cool stuff. I want to talk about P.S. Go Terps. You know what? It it's something like that. That's mm-hmm. where you use it. But don't try to stretch. I mean, unless you sell something about, you know, university uh, – You know, unless you sell something that's relevant to the University of Maryland or something about how I could reconnect with my alumni from University of Maryland, then okay, do it. But don't lead with that shit because it shows a lack of, and especially if you're reaching out to somewhat sophisticated buyers who've been in the market for a little while, like if I get, you immediately lose credibility to me on fake, it's like fake personalization and fake empathy are worse than no empathy or no personalization. Example, when COVID hit, right? march you heard oh lead with empathy lead with empathy right so every single stupid email that hit my inbox within a couple of days started with hey john i hope you and your family are doing well and then cut to some piece of shit value proposition that had nothing to do with me like that i actually i you get less credit if you do that than if you just said hey john i got this great software development thing because the fake empathy right now now you're kind of patronizing me in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you don't know me. You don't give a shit about me. You know, you just want to sell that thing. So just sell that thing. Don't pretend like you're cool and try to sell that thing. Just sell the thing. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with, Hey, John went to University of Maryland, like roll my eyes. That was, you know, sales circa 2002 back in when LinkedIn was first. I mean, look, when LinkedIn first started going out that you know what I mean, was really starting to become popular in the early 2000s. That did work. Because Mm -hmm because it did show that you took that extra layer of effort to go and look at me. Now it's like, dude, shut up. You know what I mean? Like I has, I'm a 44 year old man. If you reference something I did in college, like, (laughs) shut up. So, so you really like take that time so that the, the, either the relevance factor and say, Hey John, you're a CEO in the, you know, in the training industry of an SMB team. So what could people like that be dealing with right now? ask me some questions, send me some content that's relevant to those type of things, you don't have to personalize that at all. As long as it's relevant to me and it gets me to think a little bit, I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention to that far more than I would pay attention to somebody who's pretending like they care.
0: And do you adjust that at all, uh, depending, you know, whether it's a C-suite person versus a VP versus a director? Like, do you, in my opinion, I find that, or what I've always thought is that some the, the more important they are, the less they want to read, so you know a CEO you know you might give them a three sentence email versus a director maybe it's going to be a little bit longer or you include a you know some more info or something like that, but is that how you generally go about it or
1: yeah, I mean the higher I go, the more personalized I tend to get right but yeah. also the tighter I have to be with my messaging right because the again the higher you go the more emails you get in your inbox and the less likely you are to respond but the more personalized I get as well so you know i'd mix it up look you know the challenge with personalization too is is that usually if i were to sit down let's take the numbers of cadences right and say okay you need i don't know whatever the number is these days you know between nine and 15 touches to get a response right whatever that is well the personalization part of that i mean nine personalized emails that's pretty damn hard to come by you know what i mean like I'm gonna send you an email like you know after like the like if i do research on you tom like i'm probably you know you and your company between you and your business i could probably find two to three legit things to make connections to right something based on your history or your previous job and maybe what your current company is doing maybe a press release or something like that but after like the third one it starts to get a little weak as far as like me stretching to make a connection here right so that's why i round it out with personalization and relevance so for instance, my first email to you is going to be about something around, hey, I was on your website and I noticed this thing happened. I'd like to have a conversation. Second one might be sharing a piece of content that's relevant to what I just said there. Third one might be a call based on a persona. Hey, Tom, we're showing other VPs of sales in your industry how to drive these type of results business and the challenges. We'd like to have a conversation with you about it like the fourth one might be more personalized. Hey, I was on your LinkedIn profile, maybe do a little LinkedIn video. Fifth one's another persona driven one asking you a question. Hey, Tom, how are you keeping your reps motivated and engaged now that you're working from now that they're all working from home? The reason I ask is because VPs of sales whose main priority is keeping their reps motivated and engaged are leveraging our training to do this. Right. And I can send that out to 50 other people. So it's kind of a mix and match thing. The key is telling the story. The key mm. is having the, the messaging around triggers and the messaging and the understanding of personas so when I sit down and go after you I can find out however many triggers I can find right open up a new office whatever it is and then I can say all right where's my trigger messaging cool what persona am I going after where's my persona messaging what content is now relevant to that person and now with all those assets now let me take a step back and figure out how to tell this story What's my first touch, second touch, third touch, fourth touch? Which ones are going to be calls? Which ones are going to be emails? Where am I going to layer social on top of this? Right? So that's the key there is that we need to be kind of preceding a lot of this messaging based on triggers and personas so that when we're executing, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're actually finding that messaging and
0: we're using it to tell our story. Mm, I love that. And I want to pivot you to, uh, to time management Mm -hmm. because we were talking about this before the show. Uh, for a little bit and you were you're talking about how you run your schedule a little bit through the week and, and what you do on Friday. So could you speak to you know first can you speak to you know Friday is my day and how you yeah. kind of came up with that. And then I'd love to just hear from you as well on how you run the other four days of the week because mm-hmm. I see sometimes you post on, you know, Instagram or something like that, like, hey look, I've got five hours of straight training and you're yep. grinding, and I know you're grinding. And I know that's yep. one of your key Uh, philosophies is, you know, work hard and smart. And so I know you work your ass off. So I'm curious how you set up, you know, trying to get all your content out versus you prospect versus your trainings, customer success, service stuff that you have to do all of that.
1: Yeah, it's, it is a lot. I mean, and for context for people listening, you know, I'm a CEO of my own little company here, seven people, but I still prospect into 25 tier one accounts on a quarterly basis. I currently manage, you know, 10 to 20 deals in my pipeline at any given point in time. And I'm cross-selling, upselling new existing accounts while doing probably 10 trainings a week, plus the meetings, plus the management, plus all that stuff. So without structure, I tend to fall apart, right? So I have to do certain things that are are baked in that are almost like a routine factor to me, right? Because I found that if I have if I have a routine doing something, it tends to happen. If I don't have a routine routine and treat it as kind of like an event. I usually can run over that event anytime. So like, you know, a lot of people, especially AEs, they might schedule two hours on Tuesday afternoon from two to four to do prospecting, right? By the time that day comes and that hour comes, I could probably come up with 8 million other things to do that I think are more important than prospecting. So that's why it always gets pushed to the bottom of the list, right? But if I have a routine doing it where every day I'm doing a little bit of, you know, a few things or every month I'm doing a few things, then I kind of get into that mode. So Um, I'll walk you through, like I'll, I'll finish with the Friday stuff, but I'll walk you through my routine. You know, I tear out my accounts. I got my top 25 tier one accounts and I do that on a quarterly basis, right? So once a quarter I go in and I kind of reset on who my new top 25 tier one accounts are in those top 25, I have three personas that I go after VPs of sales, CROs, and VPs of enablement, right? So that's 75 people. So what I do is at the first business day of every, of every quarter, and every month is blocked off 100%. So the first Monday of every quarter and every month is blocked off 100% to do prospecting set the stage for. So that the rest of my month and the rest of my quarter is all about execution. And during that day on Mondays, Um, I got my team meetings in the morning, but then for two hours, I pick five accounts that are tier one and I go deep on them. I do all my research at the same time, right? So I I look on their websites, I look at their LinkedIn profiles and I come up with my six to 10 touch cadence for each one of those five accounts, right? It's very tailored. It's very thoughtful. And then I send out that first email and I schedule touch two, three, four, five, and six throughout the rest of the month to, so that the content is already in those activities. So I already know what I'm going to say when they happen. Then for another two hours, we pick a persona-driven cadence. So VPs of sales in the SaaS industry, something like that. And I come up with six or seven messages that speak to VPs of sales in the SaaS industry, right, that are, that are targeted but not tailored. So, right, and I come up with, usually there are emails in my case because I don't have a lot of time to do call blitzes these days. So I come up with six or seven emails that speak to that persona and figure out where I'm going to share content. And I run 50 to 100 people through that. So the, during those two hours on that Monday, I, I come up with six or seven messages and I send my first one out to 50 and then I schedule touch two, three, four, five, and six throughout the rest of the month. Again, it's almost on autopilot. So now with that front loaded that first day, now the rest of the month is about execution. So now I know when the, when the activity comes up, I know what I'm gonna say. I know the email I'm gonna send. Then every day I take those 25 accounts and 75 people And I follow them on social listening tools like Sales Navigator, Owler, uh, Facebook, Twitter, those type of things. And I have this morning routine where every morning I get up. I usually get up at 5.30 in the morning, get my shit together from 5.30 to 6.30. 6.30, uh, you know, I grab my coffee beforehand. From 6.30 to 7.30 every morning, I just kind of scan through data feeds. And all I'm looking for is like, I'm tracking all of those accounts and I'm looking for triggers, right? Do they open up a new office, launch a new product? And I'll fire off two or three emails every single morning. Right, just to stay consistent with super high quality. I don't my, and I probably won't put them into a cadence, you know, or anything like that. I'm just kind of being opportunistic there, but I'm doing it so I can get into that routine. And then I also use Feedly where I just, you know, I follow a bunch of RSS data feeds on certain topics, right? Sales blogs, AI, artificial, you know, those type of things. And that's kind of read my paper there. And I'll share two or three posts every morning of, hey, really cool article here, whatever, right? So, First Monday of every month, I block off. I do persona-driven cadences and t- and tailored ones. And then every day I drink my coffee and I just send out two or three. And that's pretty much all I do. You know, I'm, I'm a lot more analogous these days to kind of like a senior AE, right? But I still do it almost every day to stay consistent with it. And that way I can track all that stuff at the end of the month to see which one's got high response rates and I can make adjustments and move forward. And then on the Friday thing, I realized I was going batshit crazy on Fridays, or I'm sorry, in general, when COVID hit, because, you know, for me, everything changed. I mean, 70% of my revenues was on-site training. And so that got ripped away from me. So now everything became remote and I had to figure out, oh my God, how do I make sure that we stay in business and we pivot, right? So APAC, EMEA, I was doing all these trainings from like six o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night and the way i work i mean you know i sent you my calendar link and say pick a time right so what was happening was my calendar link was going out to everybody for trainings and meetings and everything else and my days were bananas like absolutely bananas i didn't control anything about my week and then it was the weekend and that was time with my family right so i don't want to say i don't control it but it was more about my wife and my daughter and doing what they wanted to do so i was there with them right so i realized i was i didn't have a single day to my to myself that i that I owned, that I that I could control. And so I ended up putting Fridays, I call them my days, and I blocked it off 100% so you cannot schedule anything on a Friday. You cannot choose anything on my calendar for a Friday. I can choose to set up a meeting on a Friday, but you can't automatically jump on my calendar. So Fridays being my days weren't necessarily I'm not working on Fridays. It was that is my mental clarity day that I can do whatever I want with. And whether it's work and catching up on activities and those type of things or scheduling a few meetings with people, maybe a podcast or two, or going to the grocery store and taking care of some errands and that type of stuff. So what happened was by implementing Fridays as my days, it gave me this mental reprieve to say, ah, this is a day that I have to my own. And it was so effective for me that I imp- ended up implementing it across the board with JV Sales. So everybody at, at, at the company now has Fridays as their days, and you cannot schedule a meeting on that day. And I don't care if they work. If they want to take it as a mental health day, take it as a mental health day. If they want to catch up on activities, catch up on activities. But we do not expect anybody to do anything on
0: that day other than take care of themselves. And it's been a really healthy thing. That's awesome. And do you, when you are running your schedule, the other four days of the week, is it still the same way? Like folks can still book you 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. and you just know that, hey, fuck, I'm going to have to push this thing off, you know, this whatever else thing I have to do, this this output, and but I'm going to have time on Friday and you kind of know that in the back of your mind. Absolutely. So I do all my
1: kind of follow-up activities, like the ones that are not pressing, right? Because I got a lot of, I still do a lot where say Tom, you and I spoke, six months ago and you said, yeah, John, this sounds good, but we're not in a good, you know what I mean? Follow up, right? That type Mm -hmm. of thing. I got a lot of those type of activities like reconnect, that type of stuff. I'll usually kind of, if I can do them throughout the week, cool. But if I can't, I usually kind of put them on those Fridays to say, okay, I'll get to those when I can get to them. But yeah, the rest of the week is pretty jam packed. Um, You know, when we did this with Morgan, when he first started, he was a little bit all over the place. Um, and one of his strengths was when he was a, a, an SDR and an SDR manager at uh, Terminus, was he was very structured with his calendar. It was like from you know, seven to eight, do this, from eight to 8.30, do that, from 8.30 to 9.30, do this, right? And that's how he really thrived in, in, within that structure. And I realized we didn't, he didn't really have that structure with us. It was all over the place. He was doing a training, then a sales, sales call, then this, then that, and the other thing. And what we did was we just said, all right, mornings and afternoons, okay? mornings um, because most of our clients are on the West Coast, right, we're here on the East Coast. And so mornings, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. So I told them, all right, for your mornings, don't book meetings in your mornings. Your meetings are gonna be in the afternoon, okay? So block your calendar so you can only schedule sales calls in the afternoon. But in the mornings, do everything that looks like this, right? So typing effectively, right? So check your emails, respond to emails, do all that. Do all your research, do all your prep, right? Anything that involved you looking at a computer screen and typing stuff, that's what I want you to do in the mornings. But in the afternoons, do everything that's associated with the phone. So meetings in the afternoon, call blitzes in the afternoon, because when you're in that groove, you can kind of say, okay, I'm now on the phone, so let me do that. So just by sectioning that out and saying, okay, mornings were more typing and email focused and afternoons are meeting and phone focused, he started to gain some, some sanity in his schedule and also just realizing that everything is not that important. You know what I mean? Like there are certain things that this goes to the four hour work week of what really is important. And you, we think it's important, but at the end of the day, if you start to put some structure in place to get rid of that stuff, you realize a lot of it isn't, and we do a lot of busy work. So just tracking that and trying to make sure that you're staying on top of what's actually important, which is all about goal setting and constantly reminding yourself of what you need to be doing to achieve those goals and not doing the things that are not helping you achieve those
0: goals. That type of thing matters as well. Mm-hmm, and and to dig back on one question I had on the way that you're setting up your prospect, right, you mentioned 25 accounts, you're picking mm-hmm. out your personas. What happens if, you know, the first month there, five of those accounts, you know, tell you to F off and three mm-hmm. of them turn into an opportunity? Are you adding more in there or is it like, hey, here's my 25, you know, I know that that's gonna convert to X amount of opportunities and that's what I need.
1: Yeah, I, if they fall off, they fall off. I just, I I've again, more of a routine fact, not that you shouldn't, It's just, for me, it's just the mental bandwidth. Like, I've gotten into that. Okay, 25, flush them out, you know, and if only five of them are left at the end of the quarter, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? I'm getting a new 25 in in another quarter. So, yeah, I don't believe, I don't try to mix and match. I just, like, I stay pretty committed to my standard flow. Uh, because the reason is, is you know, I'm following all those accounts on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on, on all these different tools. So you might say no to me today, Tom, but then a month later, something might happen in your company that might open up the opportunity to reconnect with you at that point. So you might go through a merger, you might do something else so I could reach out to you. And even if you said no, take me off your list or whatever it is. I mean, if look, if you say, take me off your list, I'm taking you off my list. But if I just get, a no, we're all set or we're not interested, a month later, I might be like, Hey Tom, you know what? I've been keeping myself updated on you guys. And I noticed that this thing just happened. You know, I know you said no about a month ago to this conversation, but would you be open to it now? Right? So that's where I just kind of keep them in that flow.
0: Yeah. And I want to, uh, you know, take a few minutes to talk through some questions from the audience that I I gathered as well. Um, So this is an interesting question. So how has the ability to get your messaging out at greater scale helped or hurt your business, right? Because it's kind of that, that Gary V esque model where you're giving away 99% of your content for free. Um, so how do you, how does that affect your ability to maybe charge for that 1%? Does it, do people ever say, no, nah, I'm all set. I listen to the podcast and I'm, and we're good.
1: Yeah. So it's funny, you know, Gary, I love I love, love a lot about Gary and his messaging and that, that there's some things I disagree with him on uh, one of them is that you should give all of your content away for free. Like, I I, I just think that for somebody like Gary, good for you, man. Like you have <laughs> a billion people, you have VaynerMedia, you're already a multimillionaire. So it's a lot easier for you to be so cool and give away all super <laughs> high value shit, man. But for the rest of us that are trying to make a fucking buck and trying to get to his level... There's a balance here of what you give away versus what you charge for. Now, I will say that when I got into this industry before I even knew Gary V, you know, I genuinely believed in the give-get in the givers-gain mentality, which is like the more you give away, the more you'll get back, right? And and you can't give with the expectation of getting back. You give because you give, right? And I mean, it it helped me early in my career, like when I was brand new, you know, 22 years, 23 years old, started my first company, Thrive Networks. We didn't have, like I was the VP of sales and marketing and we were self-funded, so we had no money. So I was the sales marketing PR engine for all of us. And so what I would do is I would go out to networking events, for instance. And I would literally meet every single person and I would talk to them about not about what I wanted, but I would always talk to them about, Hey, what, what, who are you here to meet with? What, what, you know, what can I do to help you? And I would go overboard, giving, making introductions to people and that type of stuff. Fast forward, when I joined, when I had to start my own company All those favors that I had done to everybody early in my career came back in spades because now I called everybody up and said, "Hey, I need an accountant. You might help me out." Sure, John, I'll take care of you. Hey, I need a website. You might help me out. Sure, John, no problem. Hey, I need payroll. No, you know what I mean. So all that came back. So it really solidified to me how important it was. And then from a content standpoint, when I got into training, you know, when I really got into training back in I want to say 2007 ish, it was still a pretty gated community in the sense that. If you ever wanted the slide deck from a from a trainer, like you got a better shot at seeing God than them sending that to you, right? Because they're like, "No, this is my special sauce," and you know, and these are my, and you have to spend money for me to come and teach you my, you know, how smart I am and all that other stuff. And I just kind of was like, first of all, a, I'm not that smart, um, and b, like this shit is good and it works. And if you're hiring me because of that one nugget, then I've done something wrong. You know what I mean? Like mm. like because anybody can get a nugget from anywhere, right? I mean, you pick any methodology, you could Google it, and there's 50 other people out there on on YouTube right now telling you how to do it, right so where so why would they buy it from you? Well, they're not going to buy it from you for that one stupid nugget that that, that is your special sauce. They're going to buy it because they see value in you, right? And they say, oh well, John, shit, if John gives away that, then what if I paid for it? You know what I mean? I mean, I tell people all the time, Tom, I mean, the, the portal that you're in right now, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could spend, you know, a couple of days combing through all my blog posts, every video I've put out there on, on Zoom in, or on, on uh, um, YouTube and those places, right? And you could put together, I'd say, 90 to 95% of what I charge people for, right? But people still pay it because, A, people are going back to people are lazy right? It's just the same reason. Like you can get a Harvard education for free if you really wanted to. Every course at Harvard is online for free, okay? But you don't get the Harvard, you know, certification for it. And it would take you a while to figure out how to learn and translate that stuff. So why do they still go spend $80,000 a year to go to Harvard, right? So it's the same type of philosophy. So I do believe in giving away a lot, um to to show value and to add value to the to the audience and to s- put you in a position of like holy shit that guy so but then gating some of it that is your special sauce that is the or might not be that special nugget but the process that you put together to help people implement this right it's like yeah. working out i mean think of working out there's a million i mean everybody knows what you need to do working out for crying out loud why do you get a personal trainer because you need the accountability. You, there's a certain structure to it that you didn't really think about, that they know about, you know, those type of things. That's why people
0: pay for that shit. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, back to uh, another question. So someone wanted to know about video, right? And I think he is a, he's a sales leader. He, he runs a sales development team and he wants to know how do you, not how do you use video, but how do you get reps excited about something like video so that they would actually use it?
1: You know, I think a lot of it has to do with with results, right, is, is um, they, they, in order for reps to get excited, they have to see some results. So it's almost like you want to do a little pilot with uh, some of the players on your team that might be interested and in, in want to try this, to, to test it out on some clients about, you know, to see like, hey, what's the impact that video has and not just prospecting, right, but objection handling, delivering proposals, like there's all sorts of ways that video can be applied. But I think, uh, you know, you have to, first of all, people have to get comfortable on camera. Okay. And and at this point, if you're not comfortable on camera, you're going to forget about sales in general. Like business is going to be really difficult for you moving forward here because this is the new world. Anybody who's waiting for this to go back to normal, I got, I got news for you. You're screwed. There is no normal going back to, okay. We are in this virtual world right now and it's just now accelerated because of COVID. So get used to it. Okay. That's first and foremost is suck it up and get on camera. Um, but then start using it as internal. Here's a way to start doing it, uh, internally to just kind of get people in the motion of doing it, which is run your meeting. So instead of having that, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, I saw a few companies doing that I, that I've started to adapt myself or adopt myself is, uh, they 'll actually instead of having that useless all hands meeting where I kind of drone through a bunch of the things that the company 's doing and you know and then leave twenty minutes for q and A for the crew right. Like, instead of doing that boring piece of shit meeting that everybody can't stand, like, why not, as an executive, light up a little video, you know, Zoom video thing or or drift or whatever it is, record a 10-minute snippet on, hey, everybody, here's the quick updates of what we got going on right now, and, uh, you know, send me an email, send me a video if you have questions about it right? So now people can watch it on their own time. They can react how they want to react or whatever it is. Same thing with internal meetings with your sales team. It's like, okay, hey, uh, in, start getting into, used to, hey, Tom, like if you're my rep, Uh, I'll send you instead of sending you an email to ask you a question about something, I'm going to send you a video and say, Hey Tom, you know what? You had sent uh, the other day on your forecast review, you were talking about this. I totally forgot about that. Could you do me a favor? Just hit me quick with an email with a video back about where we are on this situation and getting you to then send me a video. Hey John, here's, you know, Oh, that deal. So now it's just kind of starting to like, this is how we're doing business now. Right. And this is how we are communicating now. So you start to get people used to that. And then you gotta you gotta train them, you know what I mean? And you gotta trial with experimentation about like, okay, well, what, what, what kind of message would you send? Uh, why are you gonna send it? Like, how personal do you want this to be, right? Um, and and just and have them practice, right? The, you go back to tier one, tier two, tier threes. I tear out my accounts for a specific reason. The tier ones, obviously, those are the ones I'm gonna be super personalized with. I'm gonna follow on social. Tier twos are volume. But tier threes, which I always used to hate because you're bad customers anyways, now I like them for one specific reason and it's practice. So if I'm trying anything new, I run a list of my tier threes and I throw up all over myself and who cares? As long as I'm not (laughs) doing anything offensive, I can kind of get away with whatever I want to get away with. Right? So, you know, maybe have a list of shitty accounts to test video on and see if it starts. And as soon as they start seeing the results, they're gonna to start to get excited about it, right? So that's why you have to share as also like as, as managers, any time a rep does something that's cool and they get to response specifically on video, take that and make a big news out of it. Be like, holy shit, look at this video that Tom sent to one of our top tier accounts and look at the response that he got back from this. Boom, oh man, if you're not doing video right now, you're out of your mind, right? And that'll start to snowball into, okay, let's do this more often.
0: I love that, I could just picture You and Morgan and James just sending videos back and forth to each other all day.
1: (laughs) I mean, Morgan's really good on like Morgan, the way he does it is I tend to jump on the video response. He actually does voicemails through text. So Mm -hmm. like, instead of texting me, he'll just do a voicemail and it'll show up a WAV file and I'll listen to it. And then I'll usually pop a video back and be like, hey, what's up, man, right? Instagram, for instance, if you want a response from, usually if you hit me up on Instagram with a question, most of the time, instead of me typing a response, I'm gonna light up my video and be like, cool. Hey, Tom, good question on that one. You know, instead of typing you here, let, let me give you an answer on this one, boom. It's just an easier way for me to communicate that message.
0: I love that, and so I want to bring you really quick. This is a new thing I'm doing to the selfish section, right? So I ask yep. a question specifically for me. So I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and you had um, the guy from Sweetfish Media. You're talking yeah, yeah. about podcasting, yep, Logan. Yeah. So I, I think you know, there's no surprise that I'm a big fan of podcasts. Yep. Uh, I've been running this for a few years now, and I think that it's something that can really help businesses you know i see folks like gong and drift and outreach and so on and so forth using it so here's my question for you how do i what's your advice to me pitching that internally of you know what's the roi going to be and things like that Mm -hmm. like how do i how do i get buy-in that that's going to be a good idea and that's going to help us to build a brand drive revenue so on and so forth
1: um i think you would have to pitch it as a trial almost right if Mm. if you're coming to me as some you know some kid who wants to try to create your own podcast right because my my concern as a business owner or the cmo or whatever of your company is Wait a minute, you're trying to build your personal brand here outside of the company, and I can't control that message, right? So there's the concern that you have to lead up with, right? To say, okay, well, no, here's my plan for my podcast. Not, I just want to start a podcast. Here's my plan. Um, You know, my conversion ratios on my emails and my calls right now to senior level executives is 1%. Okay. So let's start with a baseline of what you're currently doing now that is probably not working in a lot of ways. Okay. So, I have, you know, I I listened to John, I listened to Logan, where they talked about using podcasts to engage with senior level executives to try to get more meetings with them from a sales perspective. So I'm going to start my little podcast here on, you know, learning from this, like learning from the CSO or learning from the VP of sales, right? That type of stuff. And what I'm going to do is here's a list of 50 accounts that that I want to get business with. And instead of me reaching out to those executives and asking them, Hey, I want to meet with you to sell you something. I'm going to invite them on my podcast and have a no, like no sales pitch conversation about certain things, about what it's like to be a VP of sales, what you see, those type of things. And first of all, I'm going to learn because that's my target audience. So I'm, that's how I'm going to increase my business acumen here because I'm going to be able to you know, learn from those people. So I'm going to be able to speak to that better. So the auxiliary benefit to this is I'm going to have better conversations in general. Second of all, um, it's content that we can use to brand. And I'll give this to you marketing department. If you want to cut this up and put little snippets on it and push this out there by all means, I I mean, I'm happy to do it myself, but if you guys want to control that message, by all means do that. And then we want to convert over the next quarter. I want to see how many of those that I get meetings with end up turning into really good qualified opportunities and the end of the quarter, we'll do an analysis. I'll reach out to 50 accounts. I'll see how many of them actually agree to be on my podcast. Of those 50, say that there's 20 that say, yes, I'll be on your podcast. Of those 20, I wanna see how many actually flow into qualified meetings to talk about our solution. And if that number is better than my existing approach right here, then I, I, then, we, then I'm going to say, okay, we should probably do this moving forward, right? If they're not, then I won't do it anymore. And I'll stop from there. Is that okay? Right? So you kind of give them parameters of what your strategy is around this podcast. And you put kind of guardrails on it to say, look, I'm not going to go outside these rails. And we're going to measure the effectiveness of it and go from there and see what happens.
0: Yeah. So you're, I mean, one thing that I take away from you a lot too, is just like, just try things and be a scientist about it. Right. And check the metrics and know your numbers and be able to identify what's working and what's not, if it's not actually working, then maybe that's not the right platform not the right move i will tell you right now
1: the 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 biggest frustration that i see reps and that i had too is having this emotional discussion with my managers of why i didn't like doing something or why i wanted to do something you know what i mean being like well i want to do a podcast well why do you want to do i don't know because i want to get my brand out there and i think it's a good idea and i heard it on a podcast from john and it's fucking good idea you know that type of thing if i'm a vp of sales listening to that i'm like no go fucking do your job like keep making phone calls for me right but if but if you're like look john you know, I've been looking at my numbers, man. And after COVID hit, they went from a conversion ratio of X to conversion ratio Y. And I am, I feel like I'm doing the definition of insanity here, man, doing the same thing over and over again, because my conversion ratio is literally like one to 2%. I think I want to try something different here, but here's the structure of how I want to look at it, right? And if you can break it down like that and come with, like, here's the baseline of what I'm working off of, and this is why I'm doing it. And here's what my hypothesis is. You're going to get your managers to be way more open to you doing things or not doing things, right? Because otherwise, look, I remember like there's two dials that you can pull as a manager, right? Quality and quantity. And you have to figure out which one to cross off the list before you can start to focus. So for me, when I, like at my first company Thrive, I knew my equation down pat, right? 400 dials a week, got me eight meetings a month, got me four proposals, got me two pieces of closed business, an average deal size of $3,500. So I just ran that equation, right? So I would just make 400 dials. And then when I hired reps, I would tell them, make $400 a week, right? And I almost didn't give a shit what they said. I just like, yeah, here's a general script, but make, cause, cause I had to determine, will you put in the work? Right. Because and what, what happened was I would have some reps come to me and they were like, Oh, well, John, I'm not getting the, the, the meetings that I'm, I was expecting, you know, after a month or two of calling, I'd be like, okay, cool. How many, how many calls did you make last week? Well, I made 200, 250. And I'd be like, get the fuck out of my office and go make 400 dials because until you make 400 aisles and the numbers don't flush out the way that I know that they did for me, I don't know what to work on with you. I don't know if it's an effort thing. If I don't know if it's a quality thing, but as soon as you hit 400 aisles on a consistent basis and those numbers aren't there, then I know it's not an effort thing. It's a quality thing. So now I can work with you on that, right? But if you just come with these, well, it's not working. Well, why isn't it working? What have you tested? What have you tried? Because if you are not segmenting that stuff out, then you're going to do what the fuck I tell you to do. And otherwise, go find another job. But if you come to me with data about why what I'm asking you to do is not nearly as effective as what you're trying to do on a side hustle or whatever it is, because I get a lot of reps, well, John, that sounds great, but my boss won't even let me not make 50 dials today. So how do I... Everybody talks about their side hustle, right? Oh, I got a side hustle. Well, make your side hustle your fucking job and go do the quality stuff on the off hours. You know what I mean? Like yeah. take, take 10 accounts at heaven forbid six o'clock at night and do some extra fucking work that you have to actually spend some more time on after hour five, you know, and, and sit down and do some research, be thoughtful, send some video emails and then come to me as a manager at the end of the month and say, John, man, I've been doing 50 dials a day like you've been asking me to over the course of the month. And these are my conversion ratios. I've made however many calls. Right. And I, and I've gotten this many conversations this many, Uh, on the side, I've been really targeting some tier one accounts and I've been using video. And dude, I'm getting like a 20% response rate when I do it this way. Your way, I'm getting a 2%. This way, I'm getting a 20%. Which one do you want me to do? And if your boss then tells you to continue to make 50 dials a day, go find another job, right? Because any manager worth their shirt is going to say, whoa, what did you just tell me there, Tom? You This video thing that you're doing, you're getting a 20% response rate on that? Uh yeah, stop making 50 dials right now and just do that, right? I mean any manager that's worth their shirt will do that. But the ones who's no you still got to hit your your metrics, go you're not going to you're not going to win that battle. So go find another job.
0: That's the JB ran I was looking for right there. <laughs> Everyone's of uh, get kind
1: of fired up with just I guess get fired up with laziness and and and, yeah. and people going through the fucking motions and and not really wanting to get better, not trying to get better, always looking for an answer when there's plenty of them out there. Just Google it and figure it out. It's not I'm, like I gotta tell people I'm not a rocket science. I'm a state school kid, drank my way through four years of college. You know what I mean? Like I'm not dumb, but I'm also not a Harvard fucking grad here. You know what I mean? I just know. I'll work yeah. you you know what I mean like I, I know my work ethic it's, it's stronger than most and I test things out constantly and so I figure shit out
0: yeah totally go Terps um, yeah. so before, before we get to uh, where folks can find you and engage yep. with all this content especially if they want to personalize an email and try to sell you something yeah. uh, we I just had to ask about the the Instagram story the smoking Terps. weed in the hot tub I mean <laughs> When, when are you going to do like a live podcast out of the hot tub? That's the real Uh, question.
1: Yeah. The hot, like, so that's usually if you, if you ever look on Fridays, you know, that's my, that's my Zen spot is in my hot tub smoking a joint. Um, you know, now that uh, I'm I'm not shy about it at all. Now that uh, pot is legal here in Massachusetts, anybody who judges me for smoking weed and actually drinks alcohol after work is a fucking hypocrite. So, anyways, I'm trying to normalize it. You you know, I mean, uh, my my uh, portal, uh, the the on-demand platform, the price is four twenty a year. So, um, yeah. you know, I you know. The, the, I am I, one of these days, I am going to start a stoner pod a stoner sales podcast where you just, you know, just like you've, you've seen the <laughs> hot wings one where you taste the hot wings and you ask questions like this one, yeah. so, you know, you got to rip a huge bong hit and then answer questions about sales and see where it goes. So <laughs> I, I'm not there yet because, uh, you know, I still got some, I still got some bills to pay here, but once I get to the point where I really, I really don't give a shit. I'm I'm like 99% don't give a shit, but it's still one percent that I do. But uh, you know, once I get there, I will start that. But you know, it, it kind of goes back to just being real, man. Uh, I mean, I think so many people are trying to put on this facade about who they are and and all this other stuff. When I think the biggest thing that people appreciate these days is authenticity and and kind of no bullshit. And that's that's where I've kind of found a home with Instagram. It's like that middle ground for me of you know yeah I post good stuff you know tips and ideas and kind of my journey. And guess what? Part of my journey is getting stoned and, and, and figuring out how to deal with all this shit that we're dealing with right now. I mean, we all have our vices. You know what I mean? Like some people exercise, some people drink, some people, you know, go take some time off or whatever it is. For me, weed has been an extremely uh, healthy um, thing for me to, to get creative, to deal with the stress, to all those things included and you know and i've actually gone pretty deep on uh, the medical component of, of marijuana and understand the benefits of cbd versus thc and all that stuff but yeah you can follow me along on instagram and figure, and uh see a few more stories <laughs> of me uh getting stoned in a hot tub
0: <laughs> i love it i love it where else can uh can folks check you yeah. out no we're wrapping up here yeah i mean
1: as always you know jb uh so j com so j-b-a-r-r-o-w-s.com That'll pretty much give you, you check out our blog, all the events that we're doing, all that's free. Um, and also if you click on training for individuals, that's, that'll bring you to the on-demand platform that we just launched uh, back in April. And that has all of our content in it. So it's, you know, my two core programs, filling the funnel, driving to close. That's all what I train on Salesforce, LinkedIn, all those big companies. But then there's like, you know, mini programs like uh, James is on pr- uh, personal branding and Morgan's is on social selling. And then pretty much every video tip and every asset that we have is in there. So for 420 bucks a year, you get all of it. Um, and then LinkedIn, right? Uh, actually, LinkedIn is probably where I post most of my kind of new ideas and tips and stuff like that. And uh, Instagram is actually where I do all my uh, consulting. So like if anybody out there is listening for want some free consulting, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. The handles John M as in Michael Barrows, all one word. That's where you hit me up on Instagram and I'll get back to you as soon as I can if you have any questions about it.
0: And for God's sakes, pony up the 420 a year and pay for the platform because it's awesome. Especially if you're an AE, SDR, someone that's out there prospecting and, and has a quote over their head. Uh, John, I appreciate the time, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, will, I, I do want to say one thing for all those people out there that are looking for jobs, right? What you just said there as far as pony up, right? Spend some money. on, And, and I don't mean that on, on Jay Barrows. If you want to, I really appreciate it. And I know you'll get some value out of it. But just in general like be consuming content there's so much content out right now that that, so it, that it for free for paid whatever it is and when you're sitting in an interview and asking and i ask you hey what have you been doing for the past couple of months but you're looking for a job and all you tell me is well i've been looking for jobs and you haven't told me that you've been improving yourself then okay, good for you. But the kid who comes in and says, oh man, so I've been, you know, I signed up for this program. I took this, I did this, I did, you know what I mean? I signed up for a masterclass. I took Chris Voss's masterclass and I signed up for JB sales for this. And I figured it out and I've learned a lot of stuff with it. Like that's the kid that I want on my team so right now is a great opportunity to educate yourself even if you're not in a job and and find these nuggets that you can use to give yourself a much better chance at getting a job moving forward here so anybody who invests in themselves is going to be somebody that i want to bring on board as my on my team and don't wait for your management to to invest in it for you right to say even if you have a job right now and you're like oh we don't get training shut up go find it. There's tons of content out there that you can use. And I never want to hear that as an excuse from somebody that says, oh, I don't know because I didn't, you know, you didn't invest in the training for me.
0: Totally. I mean, if you're not going to invest in yourself, then how can you expect anyone else to invest in you or pay you more or get to give you a better job or anything like that? So you got to, you got to go make it happen on your own. No pun intended. There you go. (laughs) Cool, man. I appreciate appreciate the
1: time, JB. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for checking out that podcast. I hope you saw value, uh, whether you're you know, working out right now or doing the dishes or uh, you know, laying around the couch, whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found some value. If you did, the only thing that you can do to really help me out is to share this podcast with a friend, share it on social media, and please subscribe wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is, and leave a review on Apple if that's where you're listening. That, that's what helps us to spread reach, helps us to get better guests, uh, like the one that you heard just now, um, and to give you as much value as possible. So connect with me, uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, uh Instagram, Twitter, Tommy Tahoe, and subscribe, leave a review, and make it a great day. Peace. Thank you so much.